was going to say the pastor left. <laughs> there we go. I can't stand this thing. <laughs> what do you actually say when you say that? Here I go. <laughs> I had to know because I've heard that before. I was like, I think you're saying, here I go. We always say, here we go, Willie. Let's go. Wow, those lights are bright, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, how you guys doing? Have a good week? It has been a good week. Did you guys celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Have you heard the backstory to St. Patrick's Day? It's kind of interesting. It's a real deal. Um, I'll just treetop it real quick. St. Patrick, when he was, he grew up in Britain. He was kidnapped at, eight, at 16, and he was taken to Ireland as a slave. He eventually escaped being a slave, went back to Britain. In a dream, God told him to go back to Ireland as a missionary to bring the gospel. Well, how cool is that? And we, when St. Patrick's comes along, we all think of that as a major beer drinking dose, like candy coats, let's party, that's what it is. But it's not like that, that's how it started. It started out as a Christian holiday, and it got hijacked into what it is today. Well, check this out, even the um, shamrock, three leaves, you guess where I'm going with that, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Isn't that crazy? And they just happen to grow everywhere in Ireland. How, how weird is that? I just thought it was, I just stumbled on that. And I, I found that in a farmer's almanac accidentally. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a really cool story. So I thought I'd share that with you. And spring is tomorrow. How about that? Yeah, everybody's ready for that. And it's going to be a beautiful day, so it's a great way to start spring. So I am excited about that. As you can tell, the tree piling and everything, you can see the trees changing, everybody's sneezing and wheezing and all that comes with spring, and that's awesome too. But everything's coming back to life, it seems like, right? So we can celebrate spring. It was like, yay. Okay, before we get started, will you guys pray for me, and I'll pray for you, and then we'll get into it. All right, Father God, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for all who are gathered here, God. And we just uh, pray that you speak through me tonight, God. Help me organize my thoughts and just um, pray that a nugget will go out there. And I just pray that somebody will, it'll land on soft hearts. Lord, give them ears to hear, eyes to see. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So can anybody remember what sermon series we started? Yes, or the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount. Like Randy said, it's the greatest sermon ever. So you guys remember, um, I think this, I, I'm going to read that real quick. I'll just read the first 10 verses of this, and then we'll go back and we'll dissect it a little bit. Okay, it says, Sermon on the Mount. This is found in Matthew 5, verse 1. It says, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. And remember at the time, these were large crowds. That's why he had to elevate himself a little bit. So we come to the things called the Beatitudes. Anybody know what Beatitude means? What's it mean? Supremely blessed. How about that? Because each one of these say, God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who 
who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Isn't that great? Each one of those start off with God blesses. Every time. Does anybody want blessings? They're hard enough to come by sometimes, right? But we, we need to uh, recognize them when we do have them. Because there's a lot of good stuff that we miss just being too busy in our own life, right? And sometimes you don't realize what a blessing. You've you just been blessed. You don't even know it. So it starts off, that, um, and Rand, I just want to treat off a little bit of what Randy said a couple weeks ago. It starts off, verse 3, God blesses those who are poor in the spirit, and they realize their need for them, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you humble yourself and you come to God, right? Because you figured out, I, there's something that I don't have that I need. And God says, when you come to me, I will give it to you. And in, in him, if you're in him, he'll give you all that you need. Now, it doesn't say he'll give you everything you want. He'll give you what you need, the blessings to keep you going. We see it from time and time and time again. It looks like things are running out, and then it gets filled up again. It's like all you have to do is just stay true to the plan. You stay on the path. That's all you have to do. Really, I mean, it's as simple as that is. It's hard to do, right? But... Every time you do, God blesses you. And it's funny because when you see people get off the path and they come back and they're like, wow, I, I really didn't do much, but I'm being blessed. My job's better. Work's easier. Everything is just better when you're walking with God. It just works that way. It just, and he promises us, the more you stay close to me, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you peace and joy and everything that you need. Stick close to me. But it's our nature to drift away. Just like the boat that's not tied to something. It's just going to slowly drift away somewhere. You know, I often thought, we're trying. We're actually trying, right? We're putting our feet to this thing, and we're trying to do what Scripture tells us to do. Why is it so hard? Why? How come it's not the other way? We drift towards God if we're trying. It doesn't work that way. Our tendency is to slowly do things ourselves. When things get better, I got this, God. Thank you. I'll drive now. We do it all the time, and that's natural to do that. But it's better when he's driving. Jesus, take the wheel, right? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> okay, the second one, uh, fourth verse, which we'll talk about this week, says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So on the surface, that sounds pretty simple, right? If you're mourning over something, whether it's uh, a loss of a loved one, it's, we call that natural. That's natural mourning. A pet, maybe it's a bad relationship, things like that. You're mourning. You know, mourning is a funny thing, too, because it's different for everybody. And there's different kinds of mourning. And there's really, and I think there's a good time for mourning. And there's also a time where it can be too much, where you need to get going again. You know, so there's somewhere in between. And there's a moderation. There's somewhere in between. But we've all experienced that, right? And just like... The verse says, if, if you look at it on the surface, God blesses those who mourn. So if you're mourning the loss, if you come to him, he's going to comfort you, right? It's that simple. And you can feel his love when you do. When he puts his arm around you, he says, I got you. I got you, okay? Just trust me. I know when my, 
I lost both of my parents, but both times I leaned on my faith. It was like, I know we're, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. Yes, I am sad. Heck yeah, I miss them. I'm sad. But I leaned on my faith. God comforted me. And I had people coming to me like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm sad, yes, but I'm comforted. I'm, com- I'm okay. They're like, are you, no, no, no. I was like, I'm telling you, my faith is going to pull me through this. I'm going to be fine, right? Takes time. It was fine. I just, it's just interesting because when you go to a funeral and you see people who aren't Christians, generally those are the ones that are losing their minds. They can't believe this happened to them. They don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. But it's also a great time to share with people, if you can, about your faith. It's like, hey, man, there's, there's something that can help you through this, right? So we can use that as a ministry. So on the surface, that's what it seems like, right? So we'll break this verse down a little bit. So that's the first one. Now, there's three types here. One is natural, loss of a loved one, a pet, a relationship. Even Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. It's okay to weep. That's okay. That's part of, that's part of getting, getting through the thing is weeping. All through the scriptures, there's, there's all kinds of people weeping and mourning. It's okay. It's actually bereavement is a blessing from God to help you help comfort you. So it's okay. Okay, the second one is sinful mourning. This is broken down to people who mourn because they're pining for something that God hasn't given them, okay? You see something or it's got your mind occupied, like, why does that guy have everything and I don't? And that's all you can think about is what he has and you don't. Why did God bless him, not me? Well, if you're saved, you're fine. He's going to give you what you need, right? He's not going to give you what you want. Most of the time, he's going to give you what you need. So if you're constantly pining for something that God's not giving you, that's not healthy. That's not good. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Actually, he's not really talking about the natural mourning either. But there's a story in 1 Kings in chapter 21. Um, Ahab, king of Israel, God gave him a huge palace. He gave him a huge kingdom to be the king of, right? But next to the palace was a vineyard, and he wanted the vineyard. It's like he had everything else, but all he could think about was that. He was coveting that vineyard. He went up to Naboth, asked him if he could buy it. He said, it's not for sale. That's an inheritance from my family. I'm not giving it up. So the king starts pouting. He's coveting this thing. All he could think about is, I want the vineyard. I want the vineyard. I want the vineyard. It's not healthy to think like that. I want that big house. I want that big car. I want this. I want that. If it's occupying your mind, you're making an idol out of it. So he wanted this vineyard so bad, his wife heard him talking about it. So she did some trickery. I won't won't get into the whole story, but she did some trickery, and she had Naboth killed so he could have the vineyard. Right? his, His dirty deed led to the murder of Naboth. However... If you read the story, it comes around full cycle and he gets what's coming to him too because God told him what's going to happen because of what you did. So sinful mourning is not a good thing, not a good thing at all. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation, okay? Worldly grief produces death, meaning if you're pining for something like that, it's going to lead you down a dead road. There's nothing there. It's empty. 
I just thought that was interesting. So we got, so far we have the natural morning and the sinful morning. And then we'll get into the, uh, the spiritual morning. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about sorrow over our own sins. That's what he's talking about. He's like, if you mourn your sins, and see, when you, when you get saved, you already know there's something wrong. You're poor in spirit because you've humbled yourself enough to come to him. You know your, your sins. You already know. And I, I thought that was great. When we first started this ministry, it was like most of the people we dealt with, we didn't have to convince them at all that you're a sinner. <laughs> they already knew it. Most of them were thugs and all kinds of people. They already knew it. It was like, man, I am a bad person. What can I do to, to get me out of here, to get my soul saved? So this, uh, this sorrow is blessed because it brings repentance, okay? When you're thinking about your sins, you're going to do something about them, right? Now, you also have to wonder, if you're doing the same old thing year after year, making the same dumb decisions all the time, you need to check yourself. Are you even really saved? Are you drawing closer to God? During all of this, or are you doing everything on your own? Because if you're doing it on your own, you can already tell where it's headed, down at that end. The road to nowhere, right? Remember that old Ozzy song, the road to nowhere leads to me? <laughs> <It's> like, <clears throat> so when we enter a life with Christ, he comes and he forgives us, right? And then that's when the sanctification comes and he makes us holy. Right? When we start trying, trying, God blesses us when we try. And there's, there's more to it than just making him your savior. You say a prayer, okay, God, I'm no good. I need you. Come into my heart. That's part one. Part two is making him your Lord. Okay? When he's the Lord of your life, when you can honestly say, God is my Lord and Savior, you're going to want to do these things. You're going to want to. Because otherwise, otherwise, it sells him short, for one. It's like, well, I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. And that's the problem, I think, with Christianity a little bit in America is it's kind of gotten watered down because there's tons of churches. That's where they stop. Not knocking them, but that's how the Western Christianity is. Like, I'm saved. I can do what I want. There's a consequence of doing what you want. Happens every time. When your sins lead you out there, eventually you're going to be found out, for one. Scripture tells us that. Eventually that thing is going to come out. I forgot what I was going to say. So let's go to, I wanted to go to uh, Luke 7. Let's see here. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. Okay, let's see here. Okay, Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman. Now this says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. I'm going to stop right there. A little bit, now I did a little research on that, these meals and stuff. These are like the guys club. When you got invited, women weren't allowed. So this woman that's here, there's, there's a reason why this woman's here. And they also lounged at the table too. They didn't sit in chairs, they kind of lounged. I'm thinking, that, that's interesting. So it says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard was, who was eating there, 
She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. You can already tell she knew there was something up. She knew this Jesus was going to be there, so she wanted to be there, right? And I also, some of the research I did, they were talking about this happened like out in a courtyard. And these Pharisees that would have these parties, it was like a, a Pharisee means to separate. And their thing was they were so holy, they didn't want to be around any sinners. So they're separate from sinners. It's like the bad people are out here. We're the good people. We got it all together, right? Or so they think. And I love what Jesus does to them in this story here, but it was to keep them separate. Okay, verse uh, 38 says, Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. She knew who he was. She'd already humbled herself to come to this guy, right? To come to Jesus. <laughs> and then when the Pharisees who had invited them saw, saw this, he said to himself, well, this man, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman he's touching. She's a sinner. <laughs> I love that because we all know that Jesus hung out with the sinners. That's what the best part is. I think this woman knew that she had heard something going on that, that got her going enough that she wanted to go see this for herself. And she actually went out and did it. She's like, I got to get close to this guy. I got to know. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. He says, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. You know you're in trouble, I think, when Jesus has said something like that. And, and this is interesting, too, because at the time, he wasn't really paying that much attention to the woman. Could you imagine lounging at the table? She's kissing your feet. She's crying so much. And the dirt on his feet, because he wore sandals all the time, right? He's talking to Simon, looking right at Simon. Because I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. So who do you suppose loved him more after that? That's pretty easy, right? The one who owed the most. Simon answered, well, I suppose it's the one who canceled the larger debt. He said, that's right. Jesus said, then he turned to the woman now he's, he had his back to her before. Now he turned to her. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet. But she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't even greet me with a kiss. But from that time when I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Those were big customs back then. That's how they did it. You come in, you wash your feet, you greet each other with a kiss, and you anoint your head with oil. And this Pharisee didn't do any of it. Didn't do any of it. This woman's already cleaning him, cleaning him up. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with a rare perfume, very expensive perfume too. Now, this woman evidently was known throughout the town as, uh, what's the word I could use? 
sketchy, yeah, that's a good word, sketchy, nefarious, whatever you want to call it. I mean, she was well known as uh, a sinner. Everybody knew it, right? So it took some brass for her to go there anyway, knowing that everybody's going to be looking at her. It's going, oh, man, I, they're going to know my stuff, but I'm going to do it anyway, right? And I think that's what's so cool. When you get humble enough that you come to Jesus, it's, it's, it's almost like you block everything out when you come to him. It's like, you know what? I'm doing this for me, not for anybody else. I'm doing this for me. I need this. It's my soul, not there. I don't care what they say. I'm going. And when Jesus gets a hold of you, you are changed. You are not the same person. You can't be. You can't be the old guy and be saved. It doesn't work. You're missing something. It might have just been lip service, or maybe it was emotional for that moment. But if it's a true conversion, you're going to want to do something with your life. You're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be like swimming upstream if you don't. And I think God gives you a little bit of time to try to figure it out. But I think that's where a lot of people lose it, too, is they, they get in about a month into it and like, well, this God thing's not working for me. Where are these blessings you're talking about? Well, what have you done? Well, nothing. I don't read anything. I've been to church like once a month. Um, I'm not in a group. I don't listen to music. Well, what do you expect? You know, you have your part to do, too. You were led there by God, and if God saves you, you're going to want to do something. You're going to want to worship Him, and you're going to want to thank Him that He saved you from yourself and all the damage that you created, the relationships and everything else is all wiped clean. You know, the story is true. You cannot be a prophet in your own town. All your friends know the dirt on you, right? And they can't believe that God would save you. No, yeah, right, whatever. I know what you used to do. I know, but I'm not that guy. I've been saved from that. What do I need to do, dance on my head or what? I'm telling you, it's for real. You cannot be a prophet in your own town. Yet you can go down just a little bit and you speak to people and they can't get enough of it. It's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's like you just go just down the road and you start talking and they're just eating it up going, tell us more, tell us more. But in your own town, around your own friends, they know all the dirt on you. They don't want to cut you any slack. They're, if they're not saved, they're, they're questioning it too. That's why people are watching all the time. You claim to be a Christian. You wear the shirts, the necklaces, and all this stuff. They're watching you. Your friends can't wait to go, aha, bunch of crap. Can I say that? We know it's not, but they're watching. Remember, we're representing everywhere we go. Even on our bad days, we got to watch what we say, what we post, what we, what, things like that. You got to be careful because people are watching, right? And they're watching you how you handle yourself, too. It could be good or bad. We don't get it right all the time. I'm not saying we do, but we need to try. When those incidents happen and you want to lose your mind, just take a breath. Take a breath, give the Spirit a chance to step in there for you. It's not easy because the first thing we want to do is fly off the handle, right? cuss probably most of us we all grew up that way that's how we handle things you just start ripping into people go past that you want to fight them right <laughs> that's what we did right that's what people do but god gives us the strength to get past that okay it's like the spirit's talking you need to be paying attention when he is like just calm down it's okay calm down self-control remember with the galatians he's talking about self-control people are watching You guys still with me? Yes. 
So he, he didn't get his feet washed, or this Pharisee just absolutely did anything. In fact, he's actually doubting if he's even a prophet. Because he said, if, if you're a prophet, you would have known that what this woman is. You would have known since she walked in the door. Oh, she's a sinner. You know, as I think it's cool, especially around here, we call each other that. Hey, you old sinner. Because we are old sinners, right? That's what we are. We're not afraid to say it. You know, we don't get it right all the time, but we're trying. We're trying to be a good example. He says in uh, 47, says, I tell you, her sins, look at the next part, and they are many. They are many. We could all say that, right? They're all many, many times. When you mourn your sin, I think sometimes awareness is good, but sometimes I think, too, you could be too hard on yourself because you let God down. We let God down. He doesn't hold it against us, though. That's the best part. We're saying he doesn't, he doesn't hold us against us, but he wants us to continue trying. It's not a get-out-of-jail card. It's like, well, I screwed up. Well, that, you know, you, you hear sometimes, like, you need to mourn your sin. You don't just sweep them under the rug, right? right? It's like, well, you know, I cussed this lady out. Oh, well, no big deal. And your friend shouldn't be saying, hey, it's no big deal either. They should be saying, hey, man, get it right. Get it right. That's not right to act like that. We can call each other out because we're in the family, right? That's, what we, that's, that's fair game. Now, people that aren't Christians, we're not supposed to judge them. But we can judge our family, and we can encourage our family, and we can also call our family out when they're out of bounds. That's right, right? And we shouldn't be afraid to do that in a loving manner, okay? Catch that loving manner part? Because <laughs> I know a lot of us, we get a little excited, you know. It's like, hey, we're all on the same team here, right? We all have our burdens, just like the song says, we're laying our burdens down. God help us, please. We are a messed up people, but we're getting better, right? I'm not the guy I was. I'm an improved version of that guy. I'm not the guy I want to be, but I'm headed in that direction. That's our goal, to be that guy, to be the guy you want to be. But you can't do that unless you're practicing what you're learning. Anybody watch a brown bag this week? was all about practice, right? And you know, sometimes practice gets old, but it makes you ready when the time comes. When you're talking about patience. We all struggle with that, I'm sure, right? I thought it was funny that happened to me today is the very thing you're talking about. Everywhere I went, it's like, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. It's Saturday morning, all these idiots are out the same time I am. You know, it's like everywhere I went, QT. The next, I went to the bank. They forgot to give me back my bank card. I had to go back. Traffic on Highway K. I was just like, oh my gosh, it's just one thing after another. I'm going home. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to let this ruin my day. Just go home. It's going to be okay. But the funny thing is, it's all in your head because where are you going to go? You know, Craig and I were talking about that, like racing everybody on the highway. Well, where are you going to go? You're going to get to the next stoplight faster than the other guy? <laughs> and we always laugh at him now going, look at him. He did, look how far he got. He got to the light faster. And, oh, five seconds, I'm cruising through the light, and you've got to race off again. <laughs> Maybe when you get older, you just calm down a little bit and na natural. But it, it's funny because just that anger, road rage, and all that stuff, you know, it's just like, let it go. 
just let it go. Remember, we're examples. You know, we, we had that uh, thing with the bumper sticker on the cars. When Randy got those phone calls and said, okay, who, who had it? And then like seven hands went up like, oh my gosh, it's worse than we thought. <laughs> Everybody's like, I'm sorry, Pastor, that was me. No, I'm sorry, Pastor, that was me. Sorry, Pastor, that was me. Like, what is going on? Remember, you're representing. You're representing, okay? <laughs> hey, by the way, I think there was a lady who called or is here or visited here or came by here from a bumper sticker. I thought that was cool, too. Is that, is that what you posted or something? Yeah, I remember that. I thought that was really cool. I was like, yay, there you go. Yeah. That lady, we know that lady. Yeah. <laughs> okay, her sins were many, but they've been forgiven. She has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Then the men at the table, they said amongst themselves, well, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? Jesus said, your faith has healed you, go, has saved you, go in peace. Now, this isn't works. Remember, it's by faith. She didn't do the works to get saved. She came in faith first. You know? Don't, don't miss that. Your faith has saved you. So now go in peace. So this Pharisee, <laughs> it's kind of funny how he, that Jesus had treated him because he was self-righteous. And that's one thing we have to protect ourselves from too, not becoming with that pharisaical mindset like we're better than everybody because we're not. I guarantee somebody cuts you off, you're not. <laughs> it's going to shine then. So remember whose you are, right? So Christ came to seek and to save the sinners, right? We humble ourselves and we come to God. And the woman was considered a huge sinner in there. And guess what? She's forgiven. Now she can go and tell others what, what had happened to her. So I was like, well, how are they comforted? The Holy Spirit will comfort you. Every time you draw close to him, he's close to you. He's near the brokenhearted. I think it's what in Psalm 34, God is near the brokenhearted. Every time, come to him in prayer. And you know what? God is tough enough. You can just say whatever you want to say to and he can handle it. He already knows anyway. You know, and it may not, you, maybe you haven't prayed in a while or whatever, and you're just like, just, just talk to him. God is, God is okay with that. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cuss at him, but you can strongly say what's on your mind and he can handle it, Right? Because he's like, you're my child, and I want to bless you. Just like all the things that we read about the Beatitudes, he said he's going to bless us if we do these things. And, and the Beatitudes are how we're supposed to be. Those are all part of our character traits that's supposed to happen in our hearts. We're supposed to be meek. We're supposed to be peaceful. We're supposed to mourn our sins. We're supposed to be poor in spirit. That's what we're supposed to be. That's our goal is to keep marching forward, to be an example of the kingdom here. This isn't heaven. We know that, right? Actually, it's probably hell, if you ask me, or close to it. But we strive to be the kingdom on earth until we get to heaven, right? So the Holy Spirit comforts us. Let's take a look at, I got a few more scriptures here. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
Great news, that's right after Robots. Here we go. Okay. If 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or, or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these people will inherit the kingdom. None of these people, right? This says, here's the best part. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. It's gone. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the, the Spirit of our God. We are cleansed. God doesn't remember our sins anymore, right? Hallelujah. We don't have to carry that around. It's been forgiven. We can say we're forgiven. We've been cleansed. That's a hallelujah, right? Even Paul struggled with it. If you read, if you read uh, Romans chapter 7, he's, Paul was a Pharisee, converted to Christianity, one of the best uh, evangelists in there. But he struggled too with sin. Chapter 7 tells you all about it. Why do I do what I don't want to do, but I do it anyway, right? But through Christ, even says almost the same thing. It says, but through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God, I am cleansed. Yeah. That's so good, isn't it? That's real good, I thought. Let me see here. So there's three kinds of mourning, right? The natural mourning that we talked about. The sinful mourning that we talked about as well as the spiritual. Jesus was talking about the spiritual part. I can't find my notes, so I'm just going to sit here at the end. One more time here. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. We all know the kingdom of this wor world, it hurts. It brings pain to all of us, right? We mourn because we've lost something. We mourn out of tragedy. We mourn our losses. We mourn over our sin. Jesus is going to comfort us. It plainly says in the Word, He'll comfort us. We can take one step more and we mourn over the sins of the world. You know, it, it's easy to say, oh, look at those guys. Boy, are they in, because we say it, I say it. Boy, are they in for a big surprise if they don't get right. Well, we should also be praying for them too, right? And sometimes it's hard to get, not get calloused when you keep hearing the stuff you do on the news and you're just like, well, just take them out and be done with them. Well, obviously God's not done with them. You know, God loves them too. They just haven't, they haven't repented yet. So we should be praying for everybody. This world that we live in is hard, Right? Every day it's a struggle. We have our choice to pick up our cross or not. You heard James last week say the same thing, right? 
I thought it was great because I was watching it, and he said something about, boy, there are days where I just don't feel like it. And I was like, that, you know, that's kind of cool to know because I've talked to other pastors, and they feel the same way. But we press on. We press on. Pick your cross up and go. You're not, you can't expect to be blessed if you're not doing anything, right? You know, you can't really just be a taker all the time and expect to be blessed. It doesn't work that way. Not that you earn it, but if you're walking with God, it's a two-way street. Remember, He will bless you. He will comfort you, guide you. Obviously, He loves you, and He wants to help us all. All we have to do is just humble ourselves and go before Him. Say what's on your mind. Talk to Him. Interact with Him. That's part of the relationship with God is to interact with Him. It's, it's only one-sided if you don't talk to Him. If you don't pray, it's just one-sided. How do you... God wants to help you, but if you don't want to do your part, how's he supposed to help you? He'll wait. He'll wait and he'll wait. He's got the patience. He wants to help his children. Plainly says in Scripture, I'll help you. All you have to do is ask. You have not because you ask not, right? And I think it's... When I read that part about the um, those who have been forgiven much, love much, Is pretty true, I think. But also, it doesn't mean just because you may, maybe you weren't like the that guy sinner, even though you're still a sinner, you still love God as much as that guy does. Exactly. You know, although uh, maybe it's in a more subtle way. Let's say, because there's a lot of people when they realize they've been uh, saved from their past sins, they're on fire. They're like they already know. They're humble. They came to God with a poor spirit and said, "I I got nothing." And when they're saved and they know that they've been released from all that sin, they're just like, they want to tell everybody. Tell everybody. So that's our job is to tell everybody, right? We pray for our country, pray for our world and our leaders and all this stuff, and hopefully we can get this mess ironed out. But it's all going to work out how God wants it to work out. All we have to do is live through it. <laughs> all right, so uh, you guys hungry? Yeah, you smell it, can't you? It's like, oh, man. All right, Father God, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for all that are gathered. We thank you for the food tonight that's been prepared. Lord, I pray that you bless the hands that prepared all that. We just thank you, Jesus, for loving us, even though we fall short every day. God, you still love us. You still want to help us. You want to protect us. You help us during the times, Lord, when we are broken. You are our hope, our counselor. You're everything to us, God. We love you. We thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen.